You know, I don't fear death, but oh God, I'd like to fix some of this before I go. Close the book with a flourish. I guess we'll see. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 88. Our movie this week was Knives Out. And joining me to talk about it, because she hadn't seen it before, is Amy Frost. Amy, how you doing? I'm great. I am so excited about this. I have a lot to say about this movie. There is a lot to say about this movie, but my first yeah. thing I have to say is the question of how is it you didn't see this? Now, this is the most recent movie that we've covered on this show. This just came out last year, but how is it you've gone the year and not watched this movie? So um, let me start by saying that I hate going to the movies. Okay. Like number one, that's just not a thing I enjoy. I also hate eating out at restaurants, so dating me is an adventure in creativity. Mm. So um, I hadn't seen it in the theater. And then... Like, I don't, a lot of times, I don't really just, like, sit and watch something. Like, okay. I watch the same, like, eight series or, you know, movies I've seen before in the background while I'm doing something else. Right. Like, for me to, like, sit and watch a movie is kind of a big deal. And so that <laughs> okay. was kind of how I wound up not seeing it. It was always like, a, oh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's on Prime. Great. Uh, I'll get to it. Yeah. Um, so then when I was trying to figure out, like, movie I hadn't seen, but then also, like, movie I hadn't seen that I would probably like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so Phil Rude, friend of ours, was like, hey, what about Knives Out? And I was like, there we go. Let's do that. Sounds good. Well, that's a good choice because, honestly, like, for me, I went I, – I do enjoy the movie theater experience, but typically my best movie theater experiences are going on my own in the middle of the week. So when AMC yeah, brought I'll out their to like Lux level, mm-hmm. Lux level pay extra, bring drinks to your seats, like that's okay. But like I can also do that on my couch. Right. Well, AMC had their whole Stubbs A list thing for a while yep. in the before times, and you could mm-hmm. I could go see three movies a week. So I would go on like a right. Tuesday night at you know nine o'clock show when there's nobody else there. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way to do it. And that's actually how I yeah. saw this. I went on a random Sunday afternoon to like a two thirty matinee showing. There were four people in the theater, and nice. I was just blown away. Like, And I, I had an idea that I was going to like this movie anyway. I love yeah. murder mysteries. I love the style of film that this is. I actually am finding that I'm a very big Ryan Johnson fan as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. I wound up actually, so I watched uh, yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. I watched the movie because I wanted it to be fresh. Um, and then I spent all day today watching like commentary and stuff like that. I watched um, I watched a breakdown of a scene mm-hmm. with Ryan Johnson where I was just talking about this. So funny thing. So um, this movie takes place in Massachusetts where I live. Right. Um, the interior of the house is like 10 miles down the road. Like I have a series of. Um, I have a series of cosplay photos I did and the big giant building that's in the background is not the exterior of the house, but it's where they did all of the interiors for oh, this wow. movie. Oh, wow. See, that's and cool. It is right down the street from my house. 
Yeah, apparently the exterior of the house, they're contractually obligated to not give away the location. I mean, yeah. I'm sure eagle-eyed viewers probably could figure it out, but... Yeah, no, and it's here somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, most of it was shot in a town called Maynard, which is okay. not far from here. Uh, Norfolk County, which you see, like, the Norfolk County Examiner's Office and all that. Yeah. That's, like, the next one over, like, on the border. Very cool. So, yeah, um, it's local. So there's, like, one of the... I knew very little about this film going in, other than that it was, like, a mystery. And then I knew the whole Chris Evans sweater thing, mm -hmm. um, because BuzzFeed told me. Okay. And I, it, I'm watching... And I'm like, I mean, I get, like, he just looks like he's from here. So maybe, I mean, like, is that just lost on me? Because that's just, this is what we do here. Like, I don't. I well, mean, that I'm was an interesting started. one because I read in some of the trivia that one of the things Ryan Johnson said about the character of Ransom to the costume designer, who I, I definitely want to talk about at some point, mm. was Ransom would have really, really nice clothes that he didn't take care of at all. Yeah. So, so like, she um, she went through and put holes in the sleeves and all that. And you know, like I noticed it. Um, not the first time I saw the movie. Every time. Yeah. But like I've seen this probably three times now. I just yeah. maybe four. I really really like this. But and it gets better every time I watch it. And I notice stuff like that on subsequent viewings. Like oh, he's got holes worn in the sleeves of that really nice sweater, or the heels yeah. on his shoes are all worn down because he just doesn't take care of anything because he doesn't care. Yeah, he's got one of those Irish cable knit sweaters where uh, back in the day, every village in Ireland had their own specific knit of cable yeah. for the fishermen so that if a body washed up, you knew where it belonged. Yep, exactly. Um, so I do have one caveat for this okay. movie because I, I did love this movie. But um, so some people have problems with like eye things or some people have problems with like teeth things or, or you know, certain kinds of gore. Um so I have a vomiting thing. Mm. Like every every series that I watch over and over again, I know exactly which episodes contain vomiting and I <laughs> skip them. Like every time I record an Aqualo episode and Miriam is talking about vomiting, I get a little... Mm. <laughs> so for a movie for which it is not only present, but a major plot device. Yes. And for me to come away saying that I love this movie is a pretty big deal that that sounds like it and that honestly <laughs> that scene like so i rewatched it yesterday to refresh my memory yeah. and i did a twitch watch party on the stream and all i said that entire scene was just wipe off your face just wipe off your face please please captain please. america just wipe off your face because that was oh that was terrible yeah so and it was had, like it's and it was chunky probably, too like ugh. it's not good no not not great but an interesting plot device, like kind of a right? cool, quirky plot thing to use. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Another thing that I love about this movie is I like a good ensemble. Mm -hmm. I love a well-done ensemble movie. This is, maybe it's recency bias. I don't know. This has got to be one of the best ensemble casts I've seen in a, in a film in quite a while. Just Absolutely. With, I mean... I'm a huge fan of like the Christopher Guest movies because those are all ensemble and like improv, which is bonkers. Oh. Um, but yeah, like I love those movies because they are, you know, and it, that's why it's always the same people because they all work together so yeah. well, you know, that's what makes Shit's Creek so good. Yes. Is that it's every single person in that cast working together. And this one, this is like lights out. I mean, just nailing the casting, and you have somebody... Daniel Craig is great, but Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc might be my favorite thing he's done. So I have a history with Daniel Craig. Okay. Um, this I so have to hear. I, 
I I love Daniel Craig. Okay. Um. So I, I was a big um, I was a big Pierce Brosnan 007 fan back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, like the last one was, like, but right. still, like I was that like that was Goldeneye. Mm, very good. So when it switched over to Daniel Craig, I was like, all right, let's let's give this a shot. So I did go see Casino Royale with a bunch of my friends in the theater um, mm-hmm. because I was not quite so old and crotchety and not wanting to go to the movies. And so Casino Royale. So there's that scene where he comes up out of the water. Okay, yep. Yeah. And I know exactly what scene you're talking so about. So I like let out a whimper apparently <laughs> completely and utterly involuntarily and I will never for the rest of my life live this down. Um but I did, I did I did. He came out of the water, and that was it for me. So, to say that Daniel Craig has a, has a special place in my heart, um, it's also why I have a problem with the new uh, his Dark Materials series on HBO. Oh, because he's because not it in is it. Very, it's very like it's very good, mm-hmm. and it's very well done. And while the movie was sort of lacking in any of the really meaningful stuff from the books, the casting in it was real good. Yeah, and I can't, I can't handle like. It's just not. Well, it's funny that you have that story about Daniel Craig because I have an interesting story with this movie in Daniel mm-hmm. Craig specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the theater, and like I said, there was about four people there. So I got like middle, you know, prime seat. Yeah. yeah. And about a week before I went and saw this movie, I was having a conversation with a friend online. Somehow it came up with like we had we had gotten to the point of of talking about weird or quirky things that we find attractive in other people. And she had said, when, when men roll their sleeves up, like not, not having the sleeves rolled up, but the act of rolling them yep. up that in scene. the movie, that scene where he did it, I, I, in the theater was like, I get it now. I understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it's yeah, real good. It, it, it works. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig. And like I said, this might be my favorite thing he's done just because it's, it's over the top. And almost yeah. cartoonish, but so, it works um, so well. Yeah, this movie is like Clue, but with the madcap dial turned down. Yes, like just like mostly, not all the way. It's it, it's like if Clue and did you ever see a movie called Murder by Death? No, we might have talked about this, but that was 1976, I think, um, and it's very much proto Clue. It's very. Kind of, it's got a great cast. It's got Maggie Smith and um, a young James Cromwell is in it, and Truman Capote and Alec Guinness, and it's that same style of murder mystery. Um, and this movie kind of makes me feel like 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 Murder by Death and Clue had a love child that was raised by Agatha Christie. Yeah, is what this movie makes me think of because it's a sit. You're right; it dials it a little bit down in terms of like the zany madcap. Right. Right. Exactly. But it's still just out there. Oh, um, totally. I I grew up loving Agatha Christie. Um, I I watched. I think it was movies with Mikey was talking about like how Benoit Blanc is like Poirot but not a jerk. And I was like, mm-hmm. hang on, we're not gonna be talking <laughs> smack about uh about Poirot. Um, no, no, no. Poirot is okay. Like, uh, mm. what's his name? David. Oh, I oh. David Suchet. Yeah. I think it's David Suchet. I think that's. I think that's like, he's fine, fine. So yeah, we just swapped it from Belgium to 
Kentucky. Yeah, basically Southern. Well, you got a Brit playing a Southern gentleman. That's so that happens a lot because a lot of British people, the only American accent they can do is Southern. That's like, I'm true. I'm not saying that that's the case here, but that is a very frequent occurrence is they can only do Southern. Yeah. And he had kind of a little foghorn leghorn in there. Like but... it was it was a it was a caricature of an accent, but it was based off of somebody, um, a historian of some kind. And I'm trying to remember who that was now. Um, it worked, though, because he he essentially was being a character the whole time anyway. Like Benoit Blanc is sort of a, an affectation a bit anyway. He is. And then especially when you, when you take, when you take someone with that sort of drawl and then you dump them in an upper class Massachusetts family, Mm -hmm. um, there are going to be assumptions made. Oh, totally. I'm not proud of it, but it's going to happen. Like, you know, what do you know? We're, you know, New England Ivy league. Right. well, and one of the things I really liked about him is he is kind of a caricature, but at the same time, he feels like a real, uh, a oh, real absolutely. person as well. Because like his whole reason for being there is somebody paid him money. He yep. comes right out and says, "I'm here because I got a big, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the thick envelope of money. Of money. No, an envelope full of money. <laughs> I love that because that makes <laughs> him feel like that's that's good writing because now you've given yeah. your character a true motivation that people can relate to, not right. just that he's super sleuth gentleman uh detective right that just adds the you know more flavor to it which is great he's not rushing in for the new yorker article right that was another great thing too was the the way all the other characters in the family are portrayed you've got one who talks about seeing a tweet about an article in the new yorker Mm -hmm. that he was in and the next person is talking about reading the article in the new yorker and oh um yeah i just love that i mean okay chris evans as Ransom is great mm-hmm. because this is coming right off of him being Captain America and he's yeah. Captain Dickhead in this. He's yeah. well, I mean, he, he was Captain Dickhead before this, so that's true, like before he was Captain America. So. Very, very true, which if is you've... fine. I, I'm into it because Captain America is very vanilla good guy, mm-hmm. for the most, I mean, by design, and so right. like little edge. But Evans is, Evans is good in this because he has to make you believe that he's pulling all the strings at one point. Right. And that he believes he's winning the game of chess. Yeah. When he's really okay. losing go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing is some of the writing, some of the foreshadowing they do. Like, they come right out and say early on, you know, she talks about how she can beat Harlan at go because she's not playing to win. And that's she's how. the beautiful patterns. Right. And that's how Marta ends up winning in the end is she doesn't play the game. So. Yeah. Um, I have not. I still haven't seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So this was kind of a more of an introduction for me to Anna De Armas. Yes, um, I loved her in this. She's adorable, she's so cute, and and she's like tough as nails. And there's the there there's this part where like once Benoit has like taken her on to be his Watson, mm-hmm. and she sort of has to. It, it almost becomes a caper movie, but she's doing it in reverse. Like, like the thing has already happened. And so yeah. now she has to, like, do everything in reverse. Um, like, covering up the footprints and stealing the videotape. And, like, if if she would, you know, if this was an actual caper movie, that would have all happened ahead of time. And so now she has to, like, reverse engineer the caper. Yeah, and does it in believable really? ways. Like, she's she manages to be both innocent 
and like clueless, but also calculating at the same time because right. the whole thing with the footprints you bring up is per- a perfect example of that. Like she notices her footprints right away. So she devises right. a way to cover them up. But to anybody on the outside, Blanc and everybody. She just looks like she's being dumb. Like, yeah. And uh, she can't what? hear. Oh, I can't hear you. Uh, you know, what? that kind of thing. What? Like, yeah, it's just so well done. And yeah, she was a delight in this. I can't wait to see her. She's in the new um, Bond movie coming out whenever that mm-hmm. decides to come out. Yeah. Um, and it, it just gives me one more reason I want to go back and, and finally watch Blade Runner 2049 because I hear she's great in that. So, yeah, she was she was good. And then, you get, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, always a win. And again, some really smart writing with her moment at the end. So they foreshadowed, even though as soon as I saw the blank piece of paper, I was like, oh, it's invisible ink. Like, that's right. just the, yeah. the... Like, as soon as, as soon as, um, as soon as Richard opens the envelope and then he's like, oh, good. See, he didn't write anything. He was just, you know, you know, to, just there's... trying to get to me. Like, yeah. But then when you see like, her, no, no, no. <laughs> well, and she yeah, picked up her, her stack letters. of notes. Yeah. If you look at her stack of notes, they have like heat marks on them where you can yeah. tell it was invisible ink. So then yeah. when that happens at the end of the movie is great. And then of course there's the whole thing with her punching out, um, Richard, Don Johnson yep. and giving him the black eye. So good. And I like that you don't have to see that to know exactly nope. what happened. Exactly. So, and Don Johnson's great in this too. Like him and Jamie Lee Curtis as a, as a married couple who do not get along is perfect. Like they were, I mean, all the casting in this is top notch, but for some reason, I don't know what it was. Don Johnson's hilarious in this. So good. Um, And the way that they, the way that they cut back and forth, like between basically everyone's memories, like every time they ask a question Mm -hmm. and, and so like the memory where uh, Don Johnson's talking about, like, oh, she's a part of the family. And, like, you know, and they're, like, welcoming her and they're, like, beckoning her over to where yeah. the whole family is. And then later you find out that um, that they're just being super racist um, right before they call the kid a Nazi, which he also is. Right. But they're not great either. <laughs> and a credit to Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed this, but allowed his actors to improv a lot of stuff. So a lot of mm-hmm. the memorable things or even little things that you see that add to the character were were improvs. Don Johnson handing the plate to Marta when yep. she walks up like she's a, a staff member was yeah. he just improvised on the spot. And like that's perfect because that's such it's a so good. it's such a great shorthand for how they actually view her. So I think that's one of the benefits because um, the. In the scene breakdown with Ryan Johnson that I watched today, um, they like he talks about how like he hadn't worked with any of these people before, and I almost think that that's a credit to the movie because they are all consummate professionals. Like mm-hmm. this is this is a star-studded cast, so you already know like you can trust them. Like that level of trust is already there, and so he has that sort of freedom to let them let them run with whatever they you know with what they think you know, works. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the sign of a confident director and writer too. Cause I know Kevin Smith has talked at length when he was younger, especially where he hated improv in his scripts. Mm -hmm. He hated improv on his movies. Like there's the famous thing, whether it's apocryphal or not, where he told Ben Affleck, like, look, if you want to ad lib stuff, why don't you go write your own script? And so he did. And then he won an Oscar. (laughs) Um, but Kevin Smith sort of you know, as he got older and more confident in his abilities has let people improv a little bit more. 
And you yeah. see that with Ryan Johnson. He lets people improv. And you get these, you get a Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson. We haven't even talked about Michael Shannon yet. Like, no. put them in a room together and let them do a scene. There's going to be some gold that ha- just comes out of nowhere. Even uh, Jaden Martell, who plays Jacob, the Nazi kid. So the line about Anchor Baby, he improved. And they lost, like, Michael Shannon happened to hear it when they were doing that scene. But because yeah. everybody's yelling at the same time, he went to Ryan right. Johnson. He's like, Ryan, this kid came up with a great line. We got to capture that and make sure it's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because that, like, that's yeah, such no, a, I mean, a great line. It's it's like the, uh, like I said, like the Christopher Guest uh, scripts. Like, I think, other than songs, I think A Mighty Wind is something like 10 pages. Like, it's an outline. There is nothing there. Oh, like, yeah, it's I just, believe that. what happens. It's a 10-page script, which is... <laughs> That's insane to think about. Yeah. I mean, I'm terrible at improv, so. Like, you and me both. But... No, that was always my, <laughs> my hardest thing because I did sketch comedy for a while, um, and I was terrible at the improv part of it. If we if we wrote something out, I was great. Or if I could play yeah. a silent character. Um, it's like if, if yeah, you I did, uh, make it so Travis did, doesn't have to talk and we're good. Two years of theater in, uh, in college. And mm. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, the, apparently there was a subplot with, uh, or a plot point talking about why Walt had the cast and the cane, mm-hmm. Michael Shannon's yeah. character, and they cut it out. Honestly, I'm glad because I think it's better yeah, to just have matter. that be a thing. Like not everything that you see on screen has to have a reason to be there. And right. I just thought it was a fun little thing for him to just, you know, he's got that walking boot and he's always limping around. Yeah. Also, exactly. he improv his touchdown symbol. Right. Which was so good. <laughs> Because he's like, oh, out of the world. That made me laugh so hard. It's so good. I laughed so many times during this movie that I would not have expected. Like, I, way more than I expected. And, so good. And you f- I found myself laughing at moments that you wouldn't think or, like, little things. So there, there'll there be a joke like that with the touchdown symbol. And that's, yep. that's an obvious one to laugh at. But then something as simple as, like, Lieutenant Elliot, Lakeith Stanfield, who kills it in this movie, too. His reaction, because you've got the two cops, you've got you got Lieutenant Elliot and then Trooper Wagner, and Trooper Wagner yeah. is just the consummate fanboy. He's so that that made me laugh more than anything. I think like <laughs> every time that he would do something, because he's a, like literally a fanboy of absolutely everything that's going on. Like yeah, <laughs> yep, a- everything. And like there's that. Matter. Yeah, there's that moment where they're walking along the trail and he's talking about all the animal sculptures the animal and sculptures. just Elliot's reaction is just like, awesome. Like, it's just this, he's he's just like, can this be done? I'm done with this. I don't want to be here anymore type of thing, but I'm going to humor these guys. Yeah. And yeah, Trooper Wagner being the fanboy right up to the moment where she pukes on <laughs> Ransom at the end of the movie and is like, that means she's lying. <laughs> So I, I did have I had a couple of um I had a couple of Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the screen moments in this movie <laughs> like um, like right before right before they reveal that the switch happened mm-hmm. and I was like oh and then and then at the very end with the knife and I was like I was pleasantly surprised that. I mean, because I wasn't, I wasn't trying too hard to figure things out, especially because at the beginning they lay everything out mm-hmm. pretty factually. Like you see what happened, yeah. And but I did notice I was like, Harlan's not like 
sweating. Like Harlan, Harlan seems to be doing okay. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. Yeah. That's that's something. And then, and then, um, this was like the only weird thing for me. Like it wasn't bad, but so Harlan writes down in his little notebook, like writing down like, oh, but if you switch the meds and like da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I feel like someone would have found that, right? Like somebody's you gonna would, find that. Notebook. Yeah, you would think. Now maybe they just didn't go through all of his notebooks because it was a suicide. I mean, yeah, no writer. So yeah, right, it was pretty cut and dry as far as they were concerned, which is true. Yeah, and and you know that's the again the brilliance of the script is that there's so much foreshadowing in mm-hmm. that first thirty minutes because this really so it's a murder mystery. In the sense that there's like plot unfolding as you watch, but at the same yeah. time they give everything away right at the beginning, yep. and you within the first, ha- you see it happen. Yeah, and it's it's well structured to where now you get these little breadcrumbs of stuff as you go, and you start to pull the threads, and you start to get more, and you realize there's more at play than you think, and that's where it is that chess versus go type of thing, um, right? And I just love that I. I've come to appreciate Ryan Johnson. So I got introduced to him through Brick. Mm-hmm. And the problem was that Brick was so talked up to me before I saw it, and especially by one particular friend at the time, that when I saw it, yeah. I thought, it's okay, but this guy was talking about it like the next coming of Citizen Kane. Right. And I was kind of let down by it. Yeah. Like it didn't meet the the lofty expectations. Right, so part right, of that is right. my own issue. Um I want to go back and rewatch that because I think I'll appreciate it more. But then I saw Looper and I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, this is pretty good. All right, I'm interested in this. And honestly, I like The Last Jedi Mm -hmm. because it asked some really interesting questions and went in different directions. I think Ryan Johnson, what I like about his writing and directing style is that he takes something that he loves and gives you a different perspective on it. Right. So this is clearly made by somebody who grew up loving murder mysteries and Agatha Christie yeah. and sleuth and murder by death and all of these movies making his own version of that. But different from somebody like say JJ Abrams, who does something like that where it's all, it feels more like fan service the whole time. This right. kind of feels like, no, I'm going to take and make my own version of that. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like a movie like hot fuzz, but less parody so i'm not gonna say none but yeah it's funny that you say that because i was gonna bring that up edgar wright is another director like that yep who does these send-ups of stuff but he does he loves whatever he's doing the send-up of so he loves zombie movies so he makes Shaun of the dead he loves action movies he makes hot fuzz this is knives out and ryan johnson is sort of a i guess you would call it maybe a toned down version of that although they're kind of converging because if you watch Baby Driver, something like Baby Driver and Knives Out are almost cut from the same type of cloth. In fact, funny trivia was the car chase in this movie where he mentions Baby Driver. Yeah. That was Ryan Johnson being like, look, I'm not going to top that at all. So we're just going to put in this <laughs> silly car chase. It was, it was really good in her little... Yeah, and her little uh, her little hatchback. I love, like, I love that. I love stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's why they're like Edgar Wright is one of my favorite directors working right now because he does that kind of stuff. And Ryan Johnson is quickly moving up that list of like active directors that I yeah. just love his work. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, you know, it's it, and there's more. There's more. I mean, I haven't even mentioned Christopher Plummer yet, and Christopher Plummer's Harlan Thrombey is so captivating in the small amount of time he spends on screen. Because yep. first of all, it's Christopher Plummer, so right. he's immediately going to take your attention. But he's another one of those that's so well written because he feels like a real person. He does. So, so right. So my my best friend on the planet is a writer and is a horror writer and mm. gets really upset at when these like other writers like, oh, I'm going to get on so many watch lists because of my Google search. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, that's not going to happen. But this, the formulating a crazy plan because of your accidental poisoning, that feels real. Like that is something <laughs> that would definitely happen. I'm not just I mean, not calling him out, but he would absolutely do that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. Well, and you, you even get, like, his reaction to, oh, no, you've given me too much morphine is great. Because he's like, wait, so what is the dosage supposed to be? Oh, yeah, that's definitely more. I've definitely gotten more than that. Stuff. Yeah. Can we not call it that right now? <laughs> well, I love that he's like, why did I wait till my mid-80s become a morphine user? <laughs> right. It's stuff like okay. that that makes him feel like a three-dimensional character. Yep. And he's on screen for what? 10 minutes of the movie maybe yeah, i mean he's maybe. it's basically that scene and then a few flashbacks but yeah. that that scene is so compelling and you see you see everything happening in his brain when he realizes right. oh i'm done like he believes that he's dead and there's nothing yeah. that could be done for it and you're seeing that wash over his face and it's an actor like christopher Plummer that can bring that out in in that role right and he obviously cares about marta mm-hmm. because he has already put her in the will for everything well and not only that but his his instant reaction when he when he comes to the realization that he's going to die his his instinct is protect marta yeah. he doesn't care about himself at that point he's very right. selfless in that way and that's really cool because again that makes him feel like it makes it feel like the him putting marta in the will isn't just some gesture to screw his family he really yeah. genuinely and feels it, for her and he's been very selfless with his family mm-hmm. um like marta even points that i think it's marta points that out like all of these kids well not all of them but like most of them are pretty terrible in some way or another but it's only now that he's like all right listen and like he says you know if only i could straighten some of this out before i go like that's his way of doing it is he's like okay well at least that'll be fixed mm-hmm. yeah i mean he's he's been very selfless and he's realizing He's done a disservice to his family by yeah. handing them all of this stuff. Even yeah. um, Linda, who you know is the self-made member of the family, right. they make the crack the that you know the million-dollar loan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's every that's every article, right? Like this this twenty-something-year-old couple, like they bought a house with you know paid for it all in cash and and they do that and it's like yeah well you know after we got married we lived with my parents for five years and you know we made three hundred thousand dollars a year you know it's like the house hunters right like oh yeah hamster trainer he's a poet our budget is 2.6 million dollars right yeah yeah um and then okay i have to mention because i just love little cameos like this frank oz in the theater when he popped up I was like, it's Frank Oz. I mean, again, I was loud in the theater because there's nobody there. <laughs> yeah. And he had worked with Ryan Johnson on Last Jedi, obviously. Right. Um, but Frank Oz is just great. It's just like, it, because he's he's the lawyer, but he's almost, 
they have the line later on where they're like, Alan, you're useless. And he just says, thank you, and leaves. <laughs> he kind of is, because if you, if you really pay attention, he does nothing more than read what's on the paper. His assistant points everything out to him. Yeah. And This is still our house. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there's the uh, little no. moments, like they cut back to, you know, hours later. And he's sitting yeah. on the couch, and he's all, he's tired, and his assistant is curled up in the chair sleeping. Chair. Like, it's just ah, he was great. And Kay Callan as the as the grandmother, the great grandmother, who I did some math on that. She has to be a minimum of a hundred years old. They don't know how yeah. old she is, but right. if if she had Harlan when he, when she was fifteen, right, she's a hundred years old. Yeah. That's the best because they're like, how old is she? <laughs> don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and she ends up being the most important character in yep. the movie, really, because it's her testimony that absolves Marta and gives uh, the police the, the last information they need on ransom. Um, and what I liked about that is her character throughout the entire movie is basically treated like a burden by the whole family, by everyone yep. except Benoit Blanc. Well, and ransom um, because he, well, depending on the memory, depending on whose memory it was, um, mm -hmm. one of the memories when ransom leaves, he stops and like puts his hand on her but then i think it's walt's memory he just remembers him like straight walking out yeah well Which walt is one of those like one of those insane things is like all of the little itty bitty little changes there's so much attention to detail in this movie whether it's the fact that everybody remembers themselves being around harlan when the cake is being brought in yep or I think what you're remembering is him storming out and handing her his cake, I oh, think is what he what did. Is. He hands yeah, her his yeah, cake yeah. as he's leaving, and then the other person sees. I think that was um, either Linda or Richard remembering him leaving. Yeah. One and of his it's, parents. It's Walt who remembers him just leaving. Yeah. And not. But, but for the most part, the whole family, like they're, you know, they don't, they don't treat her that well. But Benoit sits with her and just and talks to her like a normal person in his own style. And yeah. then she opens up to him. And I kind of like that she does that and it's all done off screen. We don't need, yep. I don't need to see that to understand what happened there. Yeah. Because there's so much great subtext in this, in, in this movie. And, yep. you know, I'm, I'm often that whole, I like to see stuff and I always have questions. I'm like, well, how did this happen? And then I watch a movie like this and I realize, no, if you're, if, if you have somebody who's good at writing and directing, I don't need to see everything. I don't need to know right. everything. Exactly. It sometimes can be better that way because I can infer it just by what's going on on the screen. So, yeah. Right. And uh, funny thing is, Kay Callan's actually six years younger than Christopher Plummer, but playing his huh. his mother in this. Yeah, yeah, mother. And she had the greatest laugh too. Her laugh when they're all sitting in the room and uh, Blanc says the whole, you know, she's not going to renounce the thing and leaves with uh, with Marta, and just the look on her face and her laugh is. <laughs> Just priceless, because she's like, you're all screwed. Yeah, because what does she care? Like, she she's doesn't got care. Seconds. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's yeah, living, she's she's living teacup to teacup. Like, pretty, she's already whatever, playing with house fine. money. She doesn't care. Um, yeah. 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 We talked about Noah Segan um, as Trooper Wagner, who I think the more times I watch this movie, the more I like his character because he's the fanboy, and it's just it's so much fun. Well, so to, he's to have that. It's great because he's like he's the Harlan Thrombey fanboy, and he knows all the mysteries, and he knows all the clues, and now he's in one. 
Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's like the best thing ever. Oh, so good. Um, and then I, and then, I like. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I liked the dumbest thing. Um, so, so when they're sitting down to read the will, and um, Ransom shows up with his package of cookies. Yes. And all I said was, "Oh my God." Those are Biscoff cookies. <laughs> I know those are Biscoff cookies. Oh yeah. And I'm just like the whole time I'm doing the I'm doing the thing and I'm like and the commentary I saw with Ryan Johnson was like anytime you see an actor eating food on screen, uh feel bad for them because they've been eating that food for hours. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> those are Biscoff cookies. That's right. Fine. I'm not gonna feel <laughs> like, bad about that. Like all day, whatever you want. <laughs> sure thing, buddy. Yeah. Um, and then the last last cast member I want to mention is M. Emmett Walsh, who played uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Proofrock, because, one, he looked like he was about a 1,000 years old. Like, that dude has aged a lot in the last few years. Yeah. I yeah. like M. Emmett Walsh. I've liked him since yeah. I saw him as a kid in Blade Runner. He's one of those fun character actors. I do have to admit I would have liked to have seen, because originally Ricky Jay was supposed to play that character, mm-hmm. but he died before during production, I think. So yeah. they had to recast him. So they have an actual picture of Ricky Jay in the movie. If you go back and watch right before, um, right as that scene starting, they pan past a picture of Ricky Jay. But uh. it was a fun little scene because here he is, you know, this guy being 180 years old like he is, new technology to him would be VHS tapes and these Tandy monitors. Yeah. And I love that because like those weren't even modern versions of VHS. Like that was a probably a 1990 or earlier VHS machine. Yep. yep. So that cracked me up too. And the fact yep. that the only real stretch of logic would be for her to be able to mess up that tape with a kitchen magnet. Cause yeah. I don't know if that's strong enough, but I mean, it was a decent size magnet, but as far as, as far as kids these days don't know, they don't know. That's true. They don't. <laughs> they Who don't knows know about VHS. I mean, for all we know, it could have ruined the tape just the way she hit the button and, and I mean, injected it because it was smoke, smoke coming out of there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked. I mean, I've been down that road. <laughs> Boy, howdy! I lost a Disney movie or two <laughs> back in the day. So, okay. In terms of murder mysteries, this probably isn't the best murder mystery I've ever watched because no. it's not. But it's not about that. It's about everything right. surrounding the murder mystery. It's built around a murder mystery. But I will say that as murder mystery films go, this is one of my favorites that yeah. I've seen because of that. Because it's got the 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 mystery at the center of it, the hole in the center of the donut, if you will. Yeah. It's is good. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it's it's good. And then everything surrounding that is just that much better, whether it's the writing, the directing, the set decoration. The fact that they went down to the minor detail of making sure any clocks that showed up on screen showed the accurate time to when things were supposed to be happening in the movie. Apparently, um, bad guys in films aren't allowed to have iPhones. Yes. Which, that's a fun fact I learned uh, from watching this movie, which that's a giveaway. Yeah, now I I knew that. Yeah, I knew that because I used to work at an Apple store, and so I did a lot of research on Apple, and I read that somewhere, that Apple doesn't want bad guys in movies and TV to use Apple products. So they were smart. Marta doesn't have an Apple device. So they can no. can create and continue that that questioning of did she actually overdose Harlan right. or not. So that was kind of cool. 
But yeah, I, I read about the clocks and that had to have been exhausting as like yeah. a production person. <laughs> oh, what, what time is it supposed to be? All right, go back and reset all the clocks all so the they clocks. all look right. Yep. Um, the set decoration though in that house, because Stunning. 80, 90% of the movies is in that house. I just, yep. I'm more blown away by it every time I see it. It's insane. Mm-hmm. The set decoration, the set design, the the props, everything is and just. I, I love it because it, it feels like, right? Because he's this creative person and it feels like a lifetime of like mementos and, you know, all of these like props and things like that. And, um, and then they uh like the the whole little display with all the knives mm-hmm. which i love because there's only two people that sit in the center of the circle of knives yeah and it's marta and benoit mm-hmm. yeah everyone else is always off to the side of it yep yeah and just oh it's like and then the costuming too and i i'm going to call out because i feel like you know the the dozen or so people that are going to listen to this deserve to know that Steve Yeldon was the cinematographer. Yes. Editing was Bob Doucet. Casting was Mary Vernu, who just knocked it out of the park with the casting. Mm-hmm. And then the art department was David Crank, Jeremy Woodward, and David Schlesinger as production designer, art direction, and set decorator, and Jenny Egan doing costumes. There's we need to talk about the filming. Dozens of other people involved in that, but but yes, the filming. Okay. So Steve Yeldon is a cinematographer. They shot this on digital. So good. And then and then they altered everything so that it would look like film to the to the point where even the title cards for the different characters at the beginning and like the other stuff in its like Agatha Christie font were legit different layers. So they had different like little shake and grain and huh. Yes. So good. Because the beautiful thing about this is that while it is so much more work um in the back end um it the it brings the cost of production down so much oh absolutely you're not dealing with film so i love and i love the look of shooting on film i because i've been watching movies as long as i have and because i was a, a film nerd from from high school and wanted to get into filmmaking at one point like i love the look of film but it's expensive and it can be very unforgiving and I mean, early we were digital. All when HD took off, and yeah. everything looked like a soap opera for a very long time. Oh, absolutely! It's not awesome. Early, early digital filming didn't look great unless you really leaned into what it was doing as a stylistic choice. Right. But something like Miami Vice, Michael Mann was very early on in the digital filming thing, and Miami Vice was a tough one because he wanted to shoot the whole thing at night, and digital didn't work very well for night shots back then better now um but i the the ability to shoot more takes do it faster get immediate results so you can see and tweak what you need to with digital yeah yeah and but now to be able to take that and make it look like film the way they did because this looks like it was shot on film steve yeldon just or yedlin give him give him all the all the credit and all the awards for that like just take them because it was amazing and I can't imagine the amount of work that had to have been on the back end because he had to apparently write some kind of a lighting algorithm to even make like the way that light would come through windows 
and yeah. sharp points of light, how it reacts on film is different than how it reacts in digital. Yeah, so he had to like account for all of that. Yeah. Just, just nuts. And it's then so there's, good. there's other little things they did. Like when they shot the interrogation scene at the beginning with Jamie Lee Curtis, she's got these big glasses on. So they rigged up the lighting to look like the windows in the house so that the reflection in her glasses What's would right? look like windows and look right. It's something that 99% of people watching the movie are never going to realize, but you don't, you don't think about it. It just lets you get immersed into that world. And those are, those are small tricks that a writer or a director and a cinematographer think about that just take things to a next level. Exactly. That's, that's what it is. It's that attention to detail. Because once you're paying attention to those details, you know that everything else before that has really been, you know, taken care of. If you can be down to, oh, hang on, the reflection in our glasses doesn't look quite right. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, and then getting, like, all the costuming, uh, the, the costuming by Jenny Egan. Like, we, we talked mm -hmm. about Chris Evans and his sweater, the cable knit sweater, or the attention detail, detail of putting, like, holes in that and everything. But everybody's costumes just fit who they were so well. Yeah. That, and, and it's fantastic. Right down... I, the, the thing that I noticed this time around that just kind of made me laugh was Marta. Her pants. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. a fashion thing or not to have the slightly short, like almost like waiting for a flood pants. I mean, probably not, right? Like it's probably like her her crummy hatchback and the cracked screen on her phone and everything else. It's her like, I mean, because like nurses don't wear pants, you know, that are exceedingly long either, mm -hmm. but. Um, yeah, but those were noticeably, like, too short. Too short. Yeah, and I'm sure that they're thrift or hand-me-down or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. it's what she's got to do. But, yeah, I, I liked that. She's supporting her family. It's not like she can just take the money and, and do whatever. Like, she has people that depend on her. Right. I also like that they never, they had the, the running joke, and it was sort of a joke and sort of like a revealing of the Thromby family's disdain for her in a way, mm -hmm. and, and viewing her as an outsider. Nobody knew where she was from. And oh, that's, that's never so brought up. Bonkers. So, it, but it, like, the so first like, time... She's from Ecuador, and I was like, okay. And yeah. Like, Is she from Paraguay? And I was like... Mm. No. <laughs> and it's like Brazilian. And it's because none of them care. None of them care right. at all. And they don't, they view her as an outsider. But she also doesn't care enough to correct anybody. Because it's no, not important they don't her. matter. Yeah. Yeah. Like Harlan matters. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Yeah, and, and Harlan just cared that, you know, her mom was safe and she was taken care of. So Right. But yeah, I, I liked little moments like that. The that's the thing that when you rewatch it you, you start catching even more of those little moments. Even more yeah. things here and there that just on a rewatch like this movie has a lot of rewatchability, mm -hmm. which is great. Because typically with something that's got twists in it, it's it. Right, it has to be know. well done to be rewatched. Like The yeah. Usual Suspects is another example of a movie that has a big twist in it, yeah. but you can rewatch that. I can rewatch it over and over, and I don't care at this point yeah. because you or just again, get so much fuzz. more. The hot fuzz, right. exactly. Um, and yeah, I just I can't say enough good things about this movie. Like it's just it's somebody. It's a writer that wrote. He wrote something. He agonized over it because I did read. Um, that like the, how am I going to reveal that she was able to get the, the vials right, even though they were switched, 
Like that was that apparently was so the mechanism of that for him was difficult to write, but it turned out amazing in the end. It worked so well. Um, I loved that part because he's like, he was like my heart because he's just like, no, you knew which was which because there's a subtle difference in the viscosity and the color and you are a very good nurse. And I was like, yeah. Oh, you. Yep. That is. Oh. And then, so, so being a writer and director is always helpful, I think. Yeah. Um, if you can do both, because nobody's going to know how to shoot your script better than you do. Right. So that helps, and it helps when you're somewhat accomplished. But he has such a great ability to then surround himself with people that are very good at their craft, whether it's a Steve Yedlin, whether it's a Bob Doucet doing the film editing, because the editing in this is really good. Yeah. Um, and then casting and getting this cast together. And it's just, it's like everything had to fall in place for it to be what it is. And the movie becomes like the parts making this movie are all top notch. And then it's even yeah. more so when you get the finished product. Right. Because and, it's not a guarantee. Like, you can put all the best stuff together, and that doesn't guarantee that it's going to click. Right. Uh, but it did. Yeah, because I've seen movies that have, on paper, a great cast, and then you watch mm -hmm. it, and you're just like, it's like a limp fish. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just yeah. flopping on the deck, and it's not doing anything. Or a great writer-director or a great writer-and-director combo, and then something doesn't work. Um, right. You know, one that comes to mind for me, and I know... Uh, I mean, this might be a little bit controversial, but like true romance is okay. Yeah. But it should be better than it is if it's written by Tarantino and directed by Tony Scott. Like, right. Those are two names that should work. It's Tony Scott shooting a Tarantino script should work great, but it it works well, but it doesn't work mm -hmm. great. Um, right. So you know that that can happen, but this this movie just nailed it. It hit it hit everything that it needed to right down to like have the silly car chase and then have somebody Ryan Johnson is so good at pointing out a trope too. Yep. And, yeah. and I think that's a, a skill. The only way that the, like it's a trope because that's the only, like that's the only good way to get it done. Right. Like there might be other ways that are dumb. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, yeah, we could have done this instead, but like a car chase is what makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's because that's why it's a trope, right? It's a trope because that's what makes sense, and so that's what we're going to keep doing. So he's like, yep, nope, I know, but here we are. Well, and then to have a character in your movie call out how dumb that yeah, was right dumb. afterwards. Because here she is thinking, you know, every trope tells you that they got away with it. Right, right. up until uh, Blanc knocks on the window, and you realize, oh, nope. And that's such a Ryan Johnson moment to yeah. take that thing and then just flip it on its head. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love stuff like that. My, the uh, We mentioned the puke at the beginning and how that, that was a rough scene to watch, and especially for you. Um, for me, it was the spider on the face, by the way. I didn't like that. Oh, that I could have done I without. It's like at least, at least all the times she throws up, like you basically, other than like the last one, it's just you know her it's going to happen. Yeah. Because they've like, because like the first one, he mentions it. And then after that, you you know for a fact that she's just lied. So you're like, okay. Um, yeah, but then, yeah, that spider was not okay. No, no. I, and, and the <laughs> fact that, like, not only was it on her face, but then it crawled up onto her eye. 
and I like I'm sure it was a I think it was a digital spider. I don't care. I didn't I didn't need to see that at all. Like no 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 no. no, no. Didn't, that was not. What did that help? That didn't help us. Come Nothing. On, and the worst part was when I'm watching it in the theater, I'm thinking, oh god, there's gonna be something with her face, like because she's in darkness, like something was gonna right. get it. But now that I've seen it, whatever three or four times, every time still, I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, don't wanna don't wanna see it. Yeah. So I because like, could... I noticed. Like before, before Marta gets up to her, right, and and like she still thinks there's someone there that she can talk to. Like I had noticed that her feet are wrong. Yeah. Um, like she's not sitting with her feet on the floor like someone that is conscious slash alive. So like I did get that like that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I was not ready for the spider though. I don't have spiders like that here. I tell myself so that I can sleep at night. There you go. <laughs> whatever, whatever know. it takes. <laughs> But I love, again, I love all the little touches too. And if you go back and you watch, um, even something as simple as like the portrait of Harlan that's on the wall that they show a couple of times and how his expression on it changes. Changes. Uh, And apparently that was actually added in in post. The the portrait was, those portraits weren't finished at the time of making the movie. So they had to add those in digitally. Um, But even something like the baseball. So the baseball Mm -hmm. gets picked up by Richard and he throws it out the window and that's right about the time that Blanc has sort of decided that he's going to do this investigation and that there's more here than he thinks. And then it starts the baseballs passing from person to person throughout the movie before Mm -hmm. it finally ends up back on Harlan's desk at the end, sort of symbolizing the end of everything and the game is over. Right. And you know, if you go back and watch, you see the moment where Blanc comes up to Marta the first time and looks down and sees her shoe. You know, yeah. that's that's a subtle thing that the first time I didn't catch it the first time I saw the movie because I wasn't looking for it. You're not you're not paying attention to something like that. I feel like I was like because I knew that this was like a mystery. Mm-hmm. I think that that first half hour I was like really into <laughs> it. Like I was catching all like because I caught Harlan's not sweating. He seems OK. And I caught the line about like these idiots wouldn't know the difference between a real knife and a prop one. And, you know, like a whole bunch of things that like I did kind of like I was like, OK, all right. And so like the first time that you see her shoe, I'm like, oh, he knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He knows. I can see that. And I did like the knife thing. Yeah, the knife thing I did catch. That was very much a Chekhov's knife. Like making that joke, that's going to come back at the end. And that's such a, that's another one of those real Ryan Johnson feeling moments where you got this really dramatic, established, you know, slow motion thing. And then it's the, the, the slow reveal that it's the prop knife and Chris Evans' reaction. Yes. When he does it again, I lost it. I was done. I was like, oh no. And just his reaction, he's like, squeak, squeak, <laughs> shit. It's so good. Uh, this movie, like, it, first of all, if you haven't seen it, we've spoiled the whole thing for you, but who cares? Because you're listening yeah, to us talk honestly. about it. That's your own fault. But yeah, honestly, go see it if you have, like, find it. It's on Amazon Prime. Watch it. And if you have seen it, go watch it again because it's worth watching yeah. a second time. I mean, you it, know what I mean? Like, I was here last time for Amelie. I'm very clearly into very pretty movies. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. Well, and that's the thing, like the the film look of it and then the lighting and the way everything like is composed and the blocking of shots and scenes and camera movements like that long hallway with the hidden window. Yeah. yeah. And the way they used 
the camera there's okay so another cinematography directing thing that they did that i thought was brilliant is they do the will reading she finds out you know they find out that everything's left to marta and she's walking out of the house as the the family's all coming up to her so you've got this smooth dolly and and then the camera goes to handheld and it gets very like shaky and Yep. And it doesn't smooth back out until she gets into her own car and feels safe again. Yeah. And it's like, that's the type of thing that I, as a film nerd, notice and pay attention right. to. But as a as a watcher, you're just as like a, a lay person, I would say, you're not you're not going to pick up on why it's making you feel that way. But, but it's it that subtle thing that does. It's like a Dutch tilt being used uh, in a in a good way. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh, pull back on the Dutch tilts just a little. Okay, you don't need. Not everything needs to be tilted. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I love I love stuff like that because it's I love filmmaking shorthand where you can convey things without having to be overly blatantly obvious about what it is. Right. Yep. So. And it's better. Like, it's like the um, it's like the whole um. You know, it's like all the set direction and all of the everything else. Like if you don't like you don't necessarily notice it if you're not looking for it, but it makes everything else better. Mm -hmm. Like it makes, you know, like you it's like I, I talk about this with retail all the time and that you only notice, uh, you know, customers only notice when you don't do things. Um, and, and it's that same sort of thing, right? Like if you got it wrong, mm -hmm. everyone would notice. But because oh, yeah. you get it right, nobody notices. Well, and, and I've used this analogy a lot, but I'll keep using yeah. it. It's it's like properly seasoning your food when you're cooking. And you'll appreciate yep. this because you love to cook. If you don't season your food properly, you notice that. But you, mm -hmm. don't, you don't realize it until it's not there. You don't realize those little touches and how much they can add to something until they're not there. Yeah. And you see yeah. a cheaper production or a less skilled production in a film. And, I mean, Ryan Johnson just... He hits hits the mark with everything in here. It's like yeah. watching a David Fincher movie and realizing the attention to detail that's in that. Mm -hmm. You know, you you just you can tell somebody who really wants to tell a good story, and they see things differently than than the rest of us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just a fantastic movie. I mean, up and down the cast. Uh, you know, somebody like Lakeith Stanfield as a character that's barely in the movie, or we mentioned mm -hmm. Christopher Plummer barely being in the movie you know he dies in the beginning of it like it's just great it's yeah. great great stuff see the movie tony collette who um plays the daughter-in-law johnny yeah. who it's like i always do the thing because i'm terrible at names character and actor right like if you're not a daniel craig or a chris evans like i'm gonna you know or a jamie lee curtis like i'm not gonna know your name off the top of my head so then i gotta do the imdb okay but what do i know you from right right because it's like fine i don't care if your resume is eight miles long if you were on that one episode of the golden girls that time that's probably why i know you yes and so i scrolled through and it's great because it's her character is the same um because she was um she was tinnifer on parks and rec she was the other um she was the eagleton the ditzy office manager right. lady and it's like the same character it's like yeah i'm gonna do some like hot yoga and then like i've, I've got like a treatment and oh yeah how yeah, much how much do you think the flam stuff was a dig at gwyneth paltrow it's gotta be right like it has to like be. it has to be 
which I'm fine with. It has to be. Had they only mentioned a scented candle, I would have been 100% certain. <laughs> but at this point, I feel like like 95 is a comfortable place for me to be. And and this movie does a good job with stuff like that. There's a whole discussion going on with kids in cages and take off your red hat. And like they do, they, it's it's subtle enough that they don't just come right out and say it. But it's also right. like, you know, you're, they're not hiding anything either. So, yeah. I'd like to feel like this will date the movie eventually, but and it um... may, it may, but <laughs> lucky it will, but, it but yeah, not. well, yes. And by the way, I'm the same way with actors. The difference is that then I will commit myself to learning their name so that yeah. I can know it for later because that happens to me too. Like I see for the longest time I knew Dan Hedaya as the, the captain in running scared. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, years later, I, I learned his name. I was like, well, now I yeah. know it and I'll never forget it. But yeah, you just, you remember people from movies. Uh, Elias Coteus right. was Casey Jones in the, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. That dude was Casey Jones to me for like yep, 15 years. Forever. Yep. <laughs> so I know exactly yeah. what that's like. I, I feel your pain there. Mm -hmm. uh, IMDb has been a, a great boon for me because oh, now good. I can go back through and look and like, why does that person look so familiar to me? And I can that's find great. it. And then it's like, 800 like a-list things that i have not seen and i was like oh oh they were on that episode of friends that one time cool cool cool, cool. well and like Jaden martell i didn't realize that the, he was in it until i re i rewatched yeah. it chapter one recently um in october and i was like oh yeah. that's why he looked so familiar to me when i was watching knives out but i couldn't place him at the time right so I like in the thing I saw that um, Ryan Johnson made a point of talking about what a nice kid he is, which I feel like it's every kid that plays a dickhead, right? Like, 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 <laughs> make Lucius sure Malfoy you tell him. Ice. Yes. Like, everybody always is like, no, they're the nicest kid. <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay. His sweater says otherwise, but okay. Right. <laughs> I like too that he was, I think, the only one with an iPhone, but he's he's on his iPhone the whole time, and apparently that was a subtle dig by Ryan Johnson at the trolls that didn't like The Last Jedi. Last Jedi, yep. Which I'm fine with, because, yeah. look, Last Jedi is good, okay? I'm just going to go out and say it. It's fine. That's it's good. Fine. It's a good movie. If you like it, you I like it. It's if... also okay if you don't like it. It's true. But you don't have to, like, be mad about it. Don't be a dick about it. That's all. That's all I ask. That's, I've got a whole tirade. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> next time. We'll, we'll do that next time. Um, Amy, this has been a blast. Thank you for coming so on. This was so cool. It, I mean, it was nice. It was fun for me after you bringing me Amelie and how much I enjoyed yeah. the hell out of that movie. It was fun for me to then bring you one and have you enjoy it too, even if they puked. <laughs> but I loved it. So like that is like we already had to set the bar here, mm -hmm. and then and then they still surpassed. Oh, that's great. Now you do a show called Aquilow. I do. So I do. what's going on with that? Let people know where they can find it, first of all. So Aquila is a horror story uh, storytelling podcast about Miriam Dufour, a young woman from Montreal who finds herself uh, inheriting a small cafe uh, in this border town of Aquila in the middle of nowhere um, where weird things happen. And very excitingly, so two seasons are already out wherever you get your podcasts. Um However, season three will be beginning this Thursday, the 26th. Um, last season, so first season was very introductory. Uh, last season was emotionally draining. Um, and now uh, season three is going to be a little lighter. Um, there will okay. still be the horror. 
and it will still be intense and good. Um, but it'll be a little more lighthearted than the previous one. Um, if you want a taste of what it's like, uh, there are two special episodes. There's the Christmas one from last year and the lockdown special from a few weeks ago. Those are self-contained stories that give you a pretty good idea of what you're getting into. And look, I can tell you as a fan of Ake Willow, go subscribe, listen to it. You'll love it. I promise. I was hooked from the, the word go and it's been great. I honestly had no idea that the season three was coming out on Thursday. So that's like a fun uh, little this is the uh, coincidence. Time I'm announcing it because I well. dropped the bomb. Right <laughs> <to this moment. laughs> so that's awesome. I can't wait. I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, that show. That show. So you guys do a great job with it. Thank you. And thank you for coming on. This was tons of fun. We'll do it again for sure. Um, you're yep. welcome back anytime. It's it's great. It's a great discussion. You're you're easy to talk to, and we've picked some good movies. So I don't know where we go from here. That's gonna be the tough part. Yeah, like I'm worried. It's yeah, not, it might, maybe I wind up being something really terrible that neither of us have seen. There we go. <laughs> well, oh, that that could be fun actually. Now <laughs> right? that I think about it. Um, so this show streams live Sunday nights, 8 PM Eastern at twitch.tv slash TV Stravis. And, um, it's really great to, if you can, to come in and be part of the chat room. We've got wicked kitten 13, Rishi B's in there tonight. Oddly normal one, Phil rude, uh, JF Dubo was in here earlier. Your writer, the writer of Aquilo, um, Ninja cowboy 42, uh, kit London, Phelan, I, I love having an active chat room. So if you can make it, it's tons of fun to have you in there. I am reading the chat the whole time. So I am seeing what everybody's saying. So come on, come on and enjoy the live stream. It also comes out as a podcast uh, on Wednesdays. So you can, if you do miss the live streams, you can watch it there. I still, I still have stickers. And if you want a sticker uh, with the logo, it's, it's, it's going to show backwards if you're watching the live stream, but these stickers I'm giving away. You just have to DM me on uh, on Twitter, or I guess if you follow, if we're friends on Facebook, you can ask me there too, and I will send you one. So, um, but thank you. Oh, Gray Muscles, we're in here too. Yes, thank you, Ender, everybody. I I, I saw you guys. There's there's more people in here tonight than usual, so I'm a little <laughs> little flustered. Um, but thank you all for for coming by for listening. If you do listen to the show. And you can leave a rating um, or a review on something like iTunes or Google Podcasts. That helps the show become more discoverable, and it's the easiest thing you can do to help promote a show. So if you can do that, please do. Not only for my show, but do so for Aquilo as well, because it deserves it. Um, next week, so this week I did the most recent film that I've covered on the show. This movie came out in 2019. Next week I'm doing the oldest movie we've covered yet. Lisa from I Love That Movie is going to come on. We're going to talk about Sunset Boulevard from 1950. I've never seen it before, so it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Are you ready for your close-up? <laughs> that's, that's all I know about this movie, by the way, <laughs> is that line. So I'm going into it completely blind. Um, but, yeah, come on back next week for that. That's going to be next Sunday with Lisa from I Love That Movie. Until then, as I like to say... Get out and enjoy your movies. And look, the world's really weird right now. Just be excellent to each other, okay?
Walt, he was in the bathroom. Yeah, he was in the bathroom. Joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>